Hello, friends. Welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Second Phase Podcast. And I'm girl crushing over here on my guest. She is inspiring, amazing, enlightening, and so energetic. We have a lot in common as far as our personalities go, but yet I'm an introvert and she's an extrovert. But that's about the extent of our differences, I think. (laughs) She is an author, a speaker, a therapist. She always knew what her life journey was going to be in regards to those things. And then she added author to it. And she has a booming coaching business and is helping entrepreneurs really discover who they are and be intuitive, but follow that intuitive nature in a way that leads them and guides them into a life of success and joy. So without further ado, Jessica Butts, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank you, Robin. I was about to say, can we record that? And we did record it. So that was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful introduction. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Good, because I'm thrilled to have you. And I am so great ready to have this conversation. So, all right. Yeah, there's lots to talk about. So much to talk about. And listeners, we're going to dive into a few key things, one being unapologetically you, one about being intuitive. And if you can remember last summer in 2020, I did an episode on intuition and I related that to my dog. So you can go back and listen to that episode. I'll put that in the show notes for you to link back. And then we're also going to talk about not doing the stuff you stink at. (laughs) Or suck at, as Jessica says. So yeah, the title of the book is actually Don't Do Stuff That You Suck At. So yeah. That's what we're gonna talk about today. So Jessica, let's dive in. And before we started recording, we were having this conversation because Jessica, you use the Myers Brig personality test as like a foundation for your work. And I was telling you that I am an INTJ. Yep. I think it's really funny because these are probably some things the listeners don't know about me. No fun. But I w- so I would love for you to just tell everybody, what does that mean? Yeah. So this is a great place to start because it's always so fun to learn this. And so I just blurted it all out. You had quite a look on your face and I was like, did that nail it? And you were like, oh my gosh, a hundred percent. So INTJs are introverted where they get more energy energy from being by themselves and those that they're very, very close to. Extroverts like myself, I get energy from other people. This is not 100% true because my methodology around Myers-Briggs, the front seat life methodology shows that there are in our front seat, we're both introverted and extroverted. So it doesn't mean, Robin, that you don't also like to be extroverted. And it doesn't mean extroverts like myself don't really love some solitude and some alone time, but more introverted on your end. And then we're both both intuitives, which is denoted by an N because I is already used for introversion. 
and ends, which we're going to spend a bunch of time today talking about, are the 25% of the population that are kind of weirdos, as I like to say. We are uh, very unorthodox. We think outside the box. We are always thinking about the future. We are very into personal development. We do not like the status quo. We cannot be typically very well in a nine-to-five job. We despise routine, and we always, always, always need something to be striving towards and looking forward to. I've called it a blessing and a curse my entire life uh, because there's times where I was like, wow, I just wish I could be okay with the status quo and we're not. So number three, your third dichotomy is the only one that differs. Well, that's not true. That This differs with us. You are a thinker, which means you make decisions more often with your head. You are a logical decision maker, which is excellent in business. And it's also very rare for women. It's only 25% of the female population, which is very, very fascinating. And so again, in life and in business, you are more of a logical decision maker. And then last but not least was the one that made you laugh a little bit is Jay's are very organized, decisive decision makers. They are typically on time and they have a plan for their future and they can get very headstrong and very clear where they're going. And you laughed and said, well, I'm never on time. And that actually leads into a really interesting thing too, because there's life circumstances, there's learned behaviors. You know, as a former psychotherapist, my entire schooling was around family systems and around our backgrounds and how we grew up and the things that were told to us and the things that were acceptable. So when you add in learned behaviors and our innateness, which actually does not change. So Robin, you were born into this world an INTJ. I was born an ENFJ and then life circumstances get in the way and it can affect how we're showing up in this world. And one of my BHAGs, my big hairy audacious goals is to get everybody back to innately who they are. So Robin, the more that you show up as an INTJ in your life, the happier you will be, the more money you will make, the more in flow you will be. Everything is easier. I love when I give myself chills, like I'm giving myself chills right now that this is the methodology of like being more unapologetically who you are actually makes your life get easier. Yet, you know, it takes some courage. It takes some courage to say, you know, oh, family or culture of origin or whoever is telling you what you're supposed to do. It can be challenging. So as an INTJ, you are very kind of the nutty professor. You love to research things and people and dig in and, uh, you know, give you a good project and you will just like nerd out and go absolutely crazy on Google and let me research this and let me find out. And what's interesting is one letter can change it. So as an INTJ, you're more interested in things and concepts and an INFJ, which is more feeling would be kind of more the therapist. They're more interested in exploring people. So that's it. It's just amazing and wonderful and fun thing to play with. So did I get it right? You got it right. I mean, she nailed me, you guys. I did. I had this look on my face because, you know, I am so expressive. And that's one of the downsides of podcasting is people can't see me reacting and, you know, everything because I'm so reactionary and you caught me. (laughs) I was like, dang, she nailed me. (laughs) Awesome. Good. And that's why I love type. So I love it because 
I think that, you know, I have a background in pharmacy, you know, I got my doctor in pharmacy and that involved a ton of, you know, studying research and diving deep in. And that's how I think I've become so strategic and how, you know, when I'm coaching my branding clients, it's that logic. It's like build a firm foundation, then you can go further. But if you don't have that foundation and if you don't use logic and strategy, you're going to fall flat. So let's start where we need to start. So with that being said, you know, there's a lot of people that, and we talked a little bit about being intuitive and I would love, because we are weird. Yeah. I've always felt kind of outside the box, not inside the box with social norms. So what are some of the things that people can like look at and give themselves some grace when, you know, they're thinking, gosh, I'm so weird. I don't fit in anywhere. Well, yeah, you do. We're just a minority. (laughs) Yeah, this is a doozy of a question. And it sounds like you've experienced that in your life. And I, a million, I mean, it's why I got into doing this. I mean, I became a psychotherapist and did couples counseling because of, you know, the garbage I was going through in my life, a divorce. And my partner was an addict and had affairs and all the stuff that started my life all over, which I'm grateful for. I mean, I'm I'm completely grateful because I wouldn't be here today. However, 75% of the population is kind of what I like to call the mug world and their S's. And it's mind blowing for us intuitives, which are the N types, which again is only 25% of the population to find out that we're not a bunch of weirdos. So it starts like straight away in grade school, right? So intuitives are experiential learners. We do Mm. not learn by giving somebody a book. So Robin, you and I did not go to school. In fact, I was called, I mean, I wouldn't say I was called stupid, but there was, you know, I was not very scholastic, even though I now have a graduate degree, you have a doctorate. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with our intelligence yet. We label children very early on if they cannot learn the way that society sets up learning. So when 75% of the population is a certain way, school is set up that way, everything, our nine to five jobs, all of that is set up. And then there's people like you and I and the other 25% that are like, wow, this does not feel good. I don't learn this way. I don't function this way. Like we're supposed to work whenever we're supposed to work. That's why the majority, not all, but the majority of entrepreneurs are intuitive types and why our children and ourselves don't learn the way that other people learn. The only place that I volunteer my time is a alternative school because the majority of those students have been deemed stupid, or they have attention deficit disorder, or there's something wrong with them. When in reality, every single one of them are just intuitive types, and they learn in a different way. They learn by doing, right? So this is like, we can't sit still, we want to go touch things, we want to go, you know, engage with things. And so this is, I've already lost track of the question, but I just get so passionate about No, this is perfect. This is perfect because we were talking about being intuitives and how can people decipher that they are indeed an intuitive and that they, if they've been feeling all these feelings that they're strange or don't fit into the norms, this is why. And I think it's really important what you just said, because I am so hands on, you know, I'll ask my husband for help with something. He's like, well, just give it to me or just let me sit there and do it. And I'm like, no, I have to do it. That's how I learn. And people get frustrated with you when you have to learn that way. Yeah. Because again, 75% of the population doesn't learn that way. And so we are very egocentric human beings. I mean, this is one of the things that I think people get weirded out about that that's a bad word, but 
we just are. And so this is all about putting our own oxygen mask on first, learning about who we are innately, learning how God designed us, the universe designed us, whatever you believe in, how we came out of our mamas, and then like being in relationship with other people, starting our businesses from this place, sitting down with your spouse, it sounds like, and having a conversation of like, this is the way you learn, this is the way I learn. And just having this be like a normal conversation with people. Instead, what we do is we think everybody is like us. So I just want to say very quickly, if people want to learn, like if this is hitting you in the gut, this probably means you're an intuitive type because that's what typically happens with my clients. You can absolutely take an assessment. I've got a free one on my website. You can self-assess yourself. There's a lot of different ways to kind of figure this out. So this is a great start to the conversation. So this leads me into my next two questions, which I think we can basically put together. But number one is, and you mentioned it before, be unapologetically you. Mm -hmm. You are who you are. Like you said, you were born this way. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are obviously environmental and parenting factors and all other things that come into play. But I think it's really important for us to give ourselves that grace to recognize like there isn't anything wrong with us. We just think, feel, and do differently. So with that being said, not everyone can do everything and do everything perfectly. Oh God, no. (laughs) Why should we, why should we, especially as entrepreneurs constantly try to do the things that we suck at? Like there are so many things that I'm like, well, I don't want to hire somebody for that. Well, if I hire somebody for that, I'm going to have to admit, I don't have any clue how to do it. You go through this whole mixed bag of emotions related to wanting to do everything or wanting to save the money and not hire someone to do it for you or whatever. But so let's dive into your book because I think it's paramount. It's (laughs) we need to have this discussion. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And ironically, I have no idea when this is going to air, but I'm actually starting an eight day book club in my front seat squad to talk about don't do stuff you suck at as we lead into this January. This is what I talk about every year. So being well rounded is just BS. It's just BS. I actually think it's somewhat of a cultural norm in certain societies, but specifically America and definitely in some Asian cultures, that being well-rounded is what we're supposed to be. And it is absolutely 1 million percent not true. And it, again, going back to the whole grade school thing, the student that is super good at art and music is not also going to be good at math. These are not the same people. Yet, we are told that you need to try to be good at everything. And I I cannot stand it. I cannot stand it. When we can start to, again, be unapologetically who we are and accept that this is who we are or the children that we're raising or who we're married to or whatever, the better it will be. Because being well-rounded is not a thing. There is straight up different parts of our personality, hence the front seat life methodology. There's two people in the front seat and two people in the back seat. And this is the way literally our brain is designed. We are designed to be good at two specific things. And again, they're either details and data or kind of outside the box, creative thinking, futuristic, personal development kinds of things. And when we start or try to grow our business, being good at everything, it is a paramount waste of our time. 
because here's the deal. It is like a drunk person doing it. So my two backseat drivers in my methodology are your drunk uncle and a baby in the backseat. And it is literally like a part of you, Robin, or myself sitting down and trying to coach or do our books or whatever when we're intoxicated or we're a baby. And that is literally the way that our brain works is we have things that we're naturally good at. So this to me, there's no prep needed. I'm super great at it. It's just, I mean, and it's not bragging. We get to say what we're really great at. This is just second nature. I have never in my whole life signed into QuickBooks. I don't even know how to do it. I don't understand it because it's like a drunk person doing it. And so if I am wasting my time sitting down to do something I suck at, two things happen. Number one, we are wasting time and energy and money. I mean, I have a bookkeeper that is an ISTJ and it takes her about 45 minutes once a month to do that. I would never do it, first of all. So I would procrastinate and never do it. And if I did, I would make mistakes like a drunk person. I would be super discouraged. I would be super frustrated. I would be super irritated and ruin the rest of my day. Because when we are doing stuff that we suck at, which is what people try to do in their life and their business, something amazing happens. Everybody in the car, our personality, the rest of our personality type goes to sleep. And our baby in the back seat wakes up and our baby is a equal to our reptilian brain and our reptilian brain under stress reacts in two ways. It fights or it flees. So you as an introvert, your baby gets probably loud and really mean and pretty not nice. And she might get loud and bossy or catastrophize or make lists. It's really not good. And mine, because I'm an extrovert, is the exact opposite. I flee. So I shut down. I run away. I don't want to participate. I don't want to get out of bed. I would not want to do this podcast right now. And so we can't then also be the best moms, be the best entrepreneurs, be the best spouses. We can't be anything from a baby in the backseat perspective. So there's actual science behind this crazy, crazy notion of being well-rounded. I mean, I'm 47 years old and I don't know about you, but I just feel like the older I get, the less time I have for BS and the less time I feel like I literally have. And I am, I refuse to spend any time really doing those kinds of things because it's just, it's damaging. It's less about even not being productive. It's literally damaging. Oh, it is. It drains your energy. When your energy is not (laughs) aligned, you can't focus and you're not productive. I've experienced it. And when you're trying to do things that you hate, you just, you can't move forward. You end up, it's almost like you're walking through mud quicksand. Yeah. I call it flow or pushing a boulder up a hill. So our front seats again is how we were born into this world. And I will say, I love a lot of wonderful authors and, but a lot of wonderful authors talk about this in theory, right? They say, Oh, just do the things you're good at. Well, that's why I love Myers-Briggs so much is because it literally outlines for you as does my book. It tells you exactly what you should be doing 
in this world to be in flow. And our back seats are exactly what you just talked about, going through mud, or I describe it as pushing a boulder up a hill. And we know those feelings and it causes exhaustion and stress and anxiety and depression and negative thoughts. And I want to quit and you lash out and I don't want to get out of bed. I mean, it's destructive. It's destructive. So the first step of any change is awareness. It's awareness. We've got to know this about our stuff. So we've got to know this about our kids. We've got to know this about the people working on our teams. We've got to know this about our chosen life partners so that, because I'm also really, really, really passionate about not changing people. Like, don't try to change yourself. Just figure out who you are. Acknowledge what you suck at. Because what? Stop. Just freaking stop trying to be good at everything. That is insane to me that people try to do that. Like, if you can just go through life doing what you're good at and hiring out the rest, because let's get real. Other people are great at it. You're contributing to the economy. Like, it's just nuts. And so it is just a straight up destructive way to be to try to be well-rounded. Yeah, 100%. And I think we do ourselves so much more harm than good. And if you want to run a business successfully, you you can't be constantly making yourself feel like you're not good enough because you don't know how to do something. Yeah. So then you fall back into, you know, a lack of confidence and then you just go down that downward spiral with mindset. And I think, you know, there's so much push for mindset work and meditation and all of this, and it's all well and good. But if you're doing things that you suck at, then you're not going to take action. And I don't care how much time you spend on mindset work. If you're not taking action and positive, intentional action, you're going nowhere. A million, a million percent. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And I'm also, I mean, it sounds like you and I are very similar this way. Not surprising because we're both NJs, but you know, I love the secret. I love, you know, the mindset stuff, but we also have to take action. Like we need system structure and singular focus. Like I created this three S method because I was like, we need Everybody needs structures, systems, and singular focus in their life. And as an entrepreneur, when we try to go do all of those kinds of things, it just doesn't work. Or if you just sit around and try to think positive thoughts and you don't put any action behind it, I just don't have any patience for that. I'll be honest with you. I just don't have patience for, I think it's a very entitled attitude to just be like, I'm going to sit on the couch and eat bonbons, or I'm going to just stay in my same situation and hope, you know, and just mindset the heck out of it and not do anything about it. I mean, they call me just the kick butts for a reason. Cause I just, I can't, I just can't with that. You're not going to get anywhere if you don't actually take some steps, but a step can be an itty bitty tiny step. You know, I grew up in the seventies and eighties with the choose your own adventure books and the choose your own adventure. You got to choose something. You have to pick the next chapter, you have to pick something. And I actually don't believe in mistakes. I don't believe there's wrong choices. I just believe there's a choice. Like you have got Mm -hmm. to move forward. But I will also say not everyone's like this. So again, this is a little weird to say, but S's are a little bit more like the muggle world. They don't have this trippy, weird thing that intuitives have. We have this wanting to move forward, choosing your own adventure. What's next? Where are we going? I mean, I'm sure you would agree that being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. I mean, it is not easy. You do not go. And I mean, I always joke my dream job is a grocery bag checker. Like they don't come home and have to do work. They just go and they have a great 
great, wonderful job. And they talk to a few people and then that's it. They don't have 427 things on their mind all day long. And it's that like they get to put puzzles together all day long. It's How great. They fit all this stuff. Into they get to play Tetris. And, and again, this is not judgment. I'm the least judgmental person probably ever because I just don't care. Everybody gets to be who they are. It's your life, but figure out who you are and then design your life around it. Or, you know, you got to start over like I did at 38. Again, your whole thing is your second phase. I mean, I think I'm going through my third phase right now of like, okay, now what am I going to do? We just get to understand this and play with it and then design our lives around who we are versus letting our life dictate us. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love it because we need to take some control. If we take zero control and we just let the world play out or map out and, you know, determine how our life is going to play out, we lose. Yeah. And if anybody wants to know more about that, uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning is literally the Bible on this topic. So if you don't know about this book, he was in a concentration camp and he wrote this amazing book about there's always a stimulus. His stimulus was the worst stimulus ever, right? He's in a concentration camp and we get pissed off about, you know, people cutting us off in traffic, like all of Uh that stuff, you know, that is nothing in comparison. So this is like the epitome. So there's always a stimulus and our personal freedom, what you just said, our personal freedom comes between that stimulus and our response. So we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We cannot change that. What can we change? What can we change? That is exactly what you're talking about. There's a lot of things in our life that we're never, ever, ever, ever going to have control over. And as you know, a former therapist, I will say, you don't have control over other people. You don't. You have control over your reaction to them. You have control over your boundaries. You have control over what you're going to allow in and what your expectations are and whether you go to therapy and figure things out. But that is what we have control over. And I swear the freedom of that. And then the other best book I've ever read is Codependent No More by Melody Uh Beattie. Those two methodologies, well, and mine, I guess, will change your life. It'll just change your life over what you have control over versus what you don't have control over. Because I mean, we're going all over the place here right now, but there's also this really interesting concept of when people's lives feel out of control during a pandemic or, you know, all the social unrest, things that are going on in our world right now, people try to control other things. And that is when a lot of problems can happen in your own life and in relationships. It's like, I can't control my side of the net. So I'm going to jump on your side of the net and try to manage and control you. And that never works. And so learning how to be on your own side of the net, learning your personality type, learning how to set boundaries, learning how to self-soothe, learning how to take care of yourself, and then be in healthy relationship with somebody on the other side of the net. And it takes two people to do that, but it is truly freedom, truly freedom. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway is, you know, recognize your strengths and your weaknesses. Sure. And then make sure that you're taking control to take action and do what you need to do to number one, identify your strengths and your weaknesses. And then do the work to discover that who you are and what your personality is so that you can adjust your life accordingly so that you can live with freedom and joy and happiness and and do the things that 
you're meant to be doing to make an impact on the rest of the world. Yes, 100%. And you know, I think your listeners, you and I, for sure, we've signed up for a lifelong journey of self-learning. So what you just said is very powerful, right? There's a step one. We're not going to figure this out. I haven't figured everything out. That's for dang sure. I mean, I hope I've got a good sense when, you know, I get buried, but it's a lifelong journey of self-exploration. And a bunch of my methodologies are, who are you? Where are you going? And then how are you going to get there? And step one is always, who are you? I truly believe it is the foundation of building any sort of house, house being your life, house being your business, house being a relationship is that we, especially intuitive types have a propensity to want to go build our house and start with all the fun decorations. I mean, I do. I love me some throw pillows. But if we don't have the foundation set, I am an entrepreneurial coach. Like this is what I do with people is, yeah, you can go try to be a millionaire, but do you even know who you are? Do you even know what you want? Or are you just listening to what whatever coach told you is their methodology? Their Mm -hmm. methodology is not your methodology. You've got to start with who you are and what what is important to you. That's personality type, strengths, weaknesses, core values, things that really matter to you. I see that over and over and over again, mm-hmm. that it's just a huge mistake people make is they want to jump ahead before they build the foundation. That's a long-term business strategy for sure. Absolutely. I use that example all the time because you have to have a brand so that people can know who you are before you can market yourself. So if you're, if you jump ahead to all of these other things without building that foundation, you're not going to have success. It just does not work that way. You have to learn all the basics first. Yeah. And this is interesting too, because I believe very, I think a brand can get a bad rap, but a brand is basically just you. I mean, I love brand work because it's what you like. I mean, I have a huge belief in like, not everyone is going to like you get over it. Don't try to be vanilla. You need to be Rocky road ice cream with chocolate chips on top and sprinkles and all like be as weird and unique. And because that is how people find you. Like, I don't even know if that's your methodology, but I'm assuming it is like, you got to be pink and bright if you want. And if that's not who you are, then you got to be who you are. And your brand is a literal physical representation of who you are. It's how you speak. It's how you show up. It's your voice. It's all the things wrapped up in it. Absolutely. It's what differentiates you so that people, and it's that gut feeling. So when you were talking about that physical, it's that gut feeling people get when they meet you or when they experience your content, it's, it's how you make them feel. And I actually think it's good thing if a few of the people in the room hate your guts. Good. That makes it easier, right? Because if they don't like you and then they're not a good fit and they're going to save you a whole lot of headaches if they don't like you and they just turn and go the other way. Cause that helps you find out who your ideal audience is. A hundred percent. People are so weird about this in the beginning stages of doing, you should come talk to my group too about branding. Cause this is a great conversation. Oh, I would love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. It. So this is such a great conversation around branding because this is what people do. I'm sure you see this every day. And I see this with my entrepreneurial clients too is, you know, I, well, oh gosh, I'm going to offend that group. I'm like, great, great. Have a point of view. They're not your people. We each need like 
200 or 100 ideal clients. I mean, let's get real. People get so weirded out. Yeah, I just, this is such an interesting topic of conversation or ending because I believe the more weird, the more clear that you can be with your brand, the better. I mean, early on, like I'm a, I'm a cursor. I, you know, I said, I said I wouldn't curse on the show, but you know, I've had people say they don't love it. I'm like, that's okay. That's okay. But I'm not going to change who I am for one or two people. Like I will obviously be respectful on a show, but if any of your listeners go over to my Instagram or go check out anything, like you're going to, you know, that's what's up and that's okay. That's okay. If you are not going to dig it, yeah, then that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You put out so much great content though. Like you really do. I mean, I've listened to your, Oh, by the way, is your podcast coming back? Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause I know you took a hiatus at the end of last year. I did. I did. I have a really exciting uh, series coming up. So I decided to do a series moving forward um, because it just Mm -hmm. is, I don't know, it's more relevant to me. Putting out weekly content sometimes can, I mean, you probably even have this. It feels sometimes a little... Uh, disingenuous. It's a lot of work. And I just thought this is not who I am, right? If I'm being unapologetically who I am, I only want really exceptional content. So anyway, starting in March, we're doing a 16 week series called Front Seat 16, which is going to be all the different types. I'm going to interview different people. We're having memes, we're having all the things. So it's going to be really, it's going to be great. I'll look forward to that for sure. Well, Jessica, we probably should wrap up, but I want you to, I mean, you mentioned Instagram. So let's tell everybody where they can find you because I think whether you curse or not, you provide incredible information. And I think, especially for the listeners who are intuitives, you're a great person to follow because it really helps you kind of navigate this world where you feel like you're weird, but you're really not. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I literally have, as far as I know, the only uh, group for intuitive types. So I literally have a coaching group uh, for only intuitive types. So I, I don't know anybody else doing that. So yeah, I'm practicing what I preach and being real specific. And I love that you niche down like that because so many people are yeah. afraid to yeah. niche down, but you did it and you did it for the minority of the population. So it's not like you didn't do it for, yeah. So, I mean, kudos to you that you did that, but what a difference I bet it's made because you can create content that is specifically directed to those people. And so you're succeeding because everybody knows exactly what you do and who you serve. Yeah. I want to say something about that. First of all, I'm Front Seat Life, my handle, Front Seat Life on Instagram. But I wanted to say something about that, that when your listeners get to a point where you can actually just be in apologetically who you are and really just show up and have a niche you, you know, you gave me a wonderful compliment that I put a lot of content out and I'll be honest, it's actually really easy because I'm not trying to be everything to everyone. I stay in my lane. Unlike, you know, there's a couple of people right now that are pretty big right now that are not staying in their lane and they're trying to be experts on every godforsaken thing. But when you get clear about who you are, who your audience is, what your brand is, who your ICA is, showing up is actually pretty gosh darn easy. So yeah, thanks. I do. I really, really, really enjoy putting out content. I actually really love Love it. So yeah, go. Uh, so first of all, there's two things, a front seat life on Instagram. And then anybody who wants to like start and are like, what the heck are you guys even talking about? I have a free assessment to find out your, not only Myers-Briggs type, but your front seat 
methodology as well. And that's at JessicaButts.com, which is B-U-T-T-S. Thank you for being here. This was great. Oh, you're so welcome. I love talking about this. So thank you for having me, darling. Thanks for being here. I loved it. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, the Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the Second Phase podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.